Welcome to In Focus, a discussion of current issues affecting our economy, featuring a review of the latest research and analysis from the Washington Research Council. Hello and welcome to the In Focus podcast from the Washington Research Council. My name is Mary Strau. I'm the Communications Director and Research Analyst for the Council. And with me today is Chris Showbloom, who is our Senior Economist and Research Director. And Chris, today you're going to be talking about the June Employment Report as well as Initiative 1366. Yes. So so why don't I start with the Employment Report? Sounds good. So um, last week we got the regular monthly uh, report. Uh, from the Employment Security Department um, uh, reporting on um, um, estimates of employment that actually have been prepared by the uh, Department of Labor, Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, for June, um, the, uh, the state uh, added uh, an estimated 3,900 jobs. Um, uh, these are actually from uh, estimated jobs gained from the middle of May to the middle of June. Um, I always like to emphasize that these are just estimates initially, and uh, the, um, the the national survey that's done of of employment establishments uh, um, has a relatively small number of establishments that are picked up in in uh, in Washington, um, so that there's a fair amount of what the statisticians like to call sampling error here. Um, and so they may be subject to uh, occasionally significant revisions when we finally get a, a count from the um, uh, actual job count out of the unemployment insurance uh, tax system. Um, but but uh, in addition, um, the uh, estimates of uh, April to May job growth were defined revised down slightly uh, from the initial estimate of 7,700 to uh, 7,200 jobs. But uh, employment is continuing to grow here at at a respectable pace, and I think all in all this is is good news. Uh, The unemployment rate for the state uh, dropped from uh, uh, from 5.4% in April to, uh, uh, excuse me, in, in May, uh, to um, uh, 5.3 percent in uh, in June. Wow, good, good number, good downward Very good trend. Um, interestingly, the uh, when we look at the the uh, 3,900 jobs that we that are estimated to be added in uh, the most recent month, um, only 900 of those were in the Seattle area, and 3,000 were in the rest in the in the balance of the state. Uh, and and the pattern kind of earlier had been uh, for stronger job growth in Seattle than right. in, in the rest. And now we may be getting into uh, reaching the stage. I think a lot of us were hoping to get to where the where the rest of the state is starting to catch up. Yeah, I and, know that I think, a lot of the other counties were were hurting relative to the greater Seattle area. Yes. So it's probably good news for them. It is good news for them. Up to of course the caveat that I threw out earlier that these are oh, this is based on a sample and are subject to potential revisions. But sure. we can we can t- take our good news where we find it. Absolutely. Um, so thank you for that. That's some more good news. We're on a good downward trend in terms of uh, unemployment. Um, now you were going to talk with us a little bit about an initiative. Yes. Um, um, this year's Tim Iman initiative, mm-hmm. um, uh, 1366 is its number. Um, the, uh, uh, 
Mr. Hyman uh, submitted signatures to the Secretary of State's office uh, early in the month at the deadline. Uh, just about 34,000 signatures are the, the number they turned in. Uh, the Secretary is now um, preparing to, to check to see if the, the, the sufficient number of those signatures are valid, uh, that uh, the initiative will make it to the ballot in November. Uh, only about 246,000 uh, valid signatures are necessary, so it would appear that that uh, there's a sufficient margin that it will make it, but we should know later this week or perhaps next week whether it does. Um, this initiative um, would attempt to attempts to force the legislature to place a constitutional uh, amendment on the uh, November uh, ballot this upcoming November. Uh, excuse me, on the November 2016 16, ballot. Okay. Yes, I'm. Uh, so it would be the the legislature, um, the 2016 legislature, to be forced uh, mm-hmm. to act, um, and the, the 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 desired constitutional amendment would would uh, require two thirds majorities in both houses of the legislature to raise uh, taxes. Um, the the um, uh, the initiative contains a poison pill that would come into effect if the legislature fails to forward a, such an initiative to uh, such an amendment to the uh, um, to the state constitution to the ballot uh, the poison pill uh, would uh, reduce the state sales tax rate from six and a half percent to five and a half percent rough estimates um, is that this would uh, uh, put the budget for the current biennium just enacted uh, into the red uh, with a projected ending balance at the end of the of the uh, um, the 2015-17 biennium of about $430 million. Uh, a consequence was much more severe in the following 15-17-19 uh, biennium where the, the budget would be in, um, in the red by about... Uh, $3.5 billion. Wow. Yep. That's a lot. That is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, uh, so we'll see what, what happens. Now, this isn't the first time this particular issue has come before the voters, correct? That's right. It, it, there have been initiatives to, um, to impose the two-thirds uh, majority by statute that have mm-hmm. come before the, uh, the the voters, and they have actually approved that kind of statutory change. Uh, but the um, the Supreme Court had ruled that that statutory change was not valid because the standards for passing a law are constitutional, not statutory. Um, all right, so this this goes more to the heart of the matter. Yeah, by... more to the heart of the matter, and it will be inter- the interesting questions are what the court will think of this this initiative, whether it is actually proper to attempt to force the legislature to act by using a, a poison pill, and then mm-hmm. secondly, how would the legislature actually react? Um, would they uh, forward the uh, the um, um, the constitutional amendment to the voters, or yes. would they just um, um, Put up with a, lo- a drop in the sales tax. Yeah, I I doubt the latter, <laughs> at least among most of them. <laughs> well, but, but of course it's it's because it's a, because a constitutional amendment requires supermajorities in both houses. 
it only takes a relatively small number of legislators to say well, that's no. True. And, and uh, um, that's... Yeah. You bring up an interesting point as well about is this initiative itself, would that pass the courts muster That's by right. forcing the legislature. That's right. There's some tricky to, issues there. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this would appear to be all right if you just did with a plain reading of the Constitution. But I think uh, the Supreme Court may want to kind of go to the spirit of the of the Constitution and not just sort of something, just a, a narrow technical reading. Right. But, I'm sure we can expect more. Yes, court yeah. proceedings, and probably people who are a little, a little more with a little more expertise in the in the the ways of the of the state constitution than than I have um, to weigh in on this and mm-hmm. give their opinions. All right. Well, I'm sure this is not the last we will have have heard uh, of this. It, this is certainly not the last. It, it also sounds as though the November sixteenth, November sorry, twenty sixteen ballot is going to be quite full of. Yes, there are various yeah, measures. That's right. Yeah, it's this is going to looking to be um, um, a very interesting yeah. um, election. Aside from just you know the presidential, sure. and, and gubernatorial and the yeah. offices, I think this is one which which we expect will have a fair number of initiatives coming one way or the other. Yeah, so all the political nerds will be happy at least. Yes, and <laughs> and and also the. Uh, Traditional media sources who actually can get a, get an opportunity to sell ads. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's, it's, yes, that'll be a boon for them. Um, well, I just wanted to round out uh, today's episode um, with some, at least as of now, as we record this, um, some late breaking news. The state legislature uh, is required by the Supreme Court as part of its McCleary ruling regarding. Um, uh, full funding of K-12 education to submit an annual report, a progress report of sorts, uh, to the court. Um, this is the first report that's been submitted since the state was held in contempt by the court uh, late last year. Um, now, lawmakers do have a lot to brag about. They've made, as Emily has noted in previous uh, podcasts here, they've made significant gains in terms of funding, um, quite large funding increases for K-12 education. Um, And that is all detailed in this, I believe it's a 39-page report. You'll probably hear the page, me flipping through the pages. Um, But the, the lawmakers, the legislature does detail that since the court order of December 20th, 2012, um, per pupil funding has increased by 121%. So that's up through the current budget, the not the current budget, the tw- yeah, well, yeah, the current budget, the 2015-2017 operating budget that was just passed. Um, so a significant increases there. Um, they detail the... Um, progress that has been made on materials, supplies, and operating costs, um, on reducing class size, on providing cost of living adjustments for teachers, and other things. Um, And that's all very impressive. One area where they have not reached agreement, and one could argue, understandably, given um, the complexity, not to mention the political repercussions involved, um, is in the area of shifting the full burden of funding 
basic education uh, from local levies entirely to the state, local property tax levies entirely to the state. The court, of course, ruled in McCleary that the state, it was unconstitutional for the state to partially rely on local tax levies for um, basic education. So it's a huge issue, um, and there are lots of proposals out there. Um, the so-called levy swap, where the state would take on the um, uh, uh, the uh, I guess you say responsibility for the property tax levies as opposed to the locals. Um, that's fraught with politics because there would be winners and losers. The more urban areas and around Seattle would be paying more. Other areas would be paying less. Um, so that still has to be worked through. Um, there were countless uh, work sessions held by legislative committees. Um, there were quite a few uh, pieces of proposed legislation um, during this past session. Um, but nothing concrete has been achieved yet. Um, now, we'll see if the Supreme Court is understanding, uh, given the complexity of this of this issue, um, or if they're wanting to see more progress being made. Um, it's kind of a crapshoot. No one, you know, it, I guess it's a fool's game trying to guess how they're going to rule. Um, one thing to keep in mind is the legislature is working under a, tw a deadline, deadline of 2018. So they do have time um, to comply with all of this. Um, but the, the, the court did uh, uh, put them under contempt for not having a plan, and they still don't have a specific plan. Um, now, some have argued that you can't bind a legislature to a plan, that the plan comes through the legislation. But uh, be that as it may, um, we'll just have to wait and see what the court does. Yeah. And we may well know in the next week or two how they respond to this, I think. Yeah, yeah. Traditionally, it hasn't taken too terribly long for them to, to um, issue their response. Yes. <laughs> so uh, that's it for today. We thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you next time. In Focus is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. Your tax-deductible investment allows our work to continue. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.